Hello, and welcome to Straight from the CPA's Mouth. I'm Laura Lee, Director of External Relations at CPA Alberta, and it is my pleasure to be your host today. Joining me is CPA Alberta CEO, Rachel Miller, and over the course of this episode, we'll be discussing perfection, women in the accounting profession, and leadership. 150,000 new businesses are created in Canada each year, but only Emotional intelligence is a critical skill for leaders. How do I develop artificial intelligence will take over analytics, big data, trend analysis. needs to diversify its economy, but how do we do that? Create new opportunities for young innovators. Filter out the noise. Hear it straight from the CPA's mouth. So, Rachel, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule and joining me today. Really, really excited to have you and to talk to you over the next next bunch of minutes. Do you want to say a few words about yourself? Sure. Well, thanks for inviting me to do this. I've listened to all of them so far. Ooh. So um, I don't know if I'll be able to listen to my own, but I, that will probably go into some of your questions you're going to ask me. <laughs> so I'm the CEO of uh, CP Alberta and uh, love the role that I have. I have quite the uh, honor to lead the organization um, and to make sure we're fulfilling our regulatory mandate and giving our stakeholders what they need. So. Okay, sounds great. Um, so before I launch into the question of the episode, I'm just curious, you know, you mentioned you listened to all the episodes and as someone who represents CP Alberta, has met CPAs across the province, have you been surprised by any of things and the insights that some of the CPAs that have been guests on our podcast have said? Yeah, I would say I've learned from uh, all of them. They've all been a little bit different and have something different to add. Uh, I think I was listening to one where I was actually quoted in it, and I was like, wow, I have, like, never been quoted before. It was sort of like a moment (laughs) for me, so that was kind of neat. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's really neat to hear sort of what our members are doing um, and some of the things that they're passionate about and... Uh, their stories, because every story is a little bit different, and you take something away from each of them. Um, I know I was just listening to Steve Allen's and uh, his passion for the work that he does and his perspective on success is something that, you know, really resonated with me as well. So it was really interesting to hear. Great. And now we get to lend your voice to to the mix. Excellent. Okay. Um, so on our last episode, our guest, Harriet Tinka, posed the following question for us. At what point should you consider yourself good enough? So Rachel, before we delve into the point where you consider yourself good enough, I'd like to first ask you, have you reached a point in your professional life where you know where good enough is? Or is this something that you still struggle with? Well, you know, I think there's probably a couple ways to look at what's good enough. My personal perspective on that is that as long as you are doing the best you can with what you have, that is good enough. And so you just need to continue to develop that and continue to grow. Um, I don't think you ever get to that point where you're done growing or done learning. I think you can learn something from every situation uh, that you're in. So I think you got to balance that. You've got to be careful not to always underestimate yourself or think you're not good enough. But on the flip side, is anyone ever done learning and growing? So Mm -hmm. That's great advice. What makes it hard for people to say, okay, this is good enough. I am good enough. I've done the best that I can. Well, I think there's lots of external expectations that uh, are put on you, but also your own expectations. I, I think they say everyone is their own worst critic, and I would say the same. I have trouble like listening to uh, uh, me speaking or going back and seeing videos of myself because I always think, oh, I could have done that better. Yeah. Um, and 
even when I was in university, I remember I'd write a test and I'd probably have gotten a really good mark on it. But looking back and thinking about it, I'm like, oh, I could have answered that question differently. Why didn't I answer that? Why did I get so stressed? So it's something in your personality, I guess, mm-hmm. and in, and also in, in the way you're raised and those environmental factors that we're just very critical of our own actions, always trying to be better. So. So if it's hard for you to listen to yourself, I, I'm glad that we're having you as a podcast guest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't guarantee I'm going to listen to this. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, but I'm thankful for everyone else who was listening to this. So if it was hard for you to listen to yourself in the past, what made you realize that there's a point where I've said what I've said and I can't go back to it and what I've put out there is what I've put out there? Yeah, I think, um, you know, that's something... You learn over time, um, and it's really when you look at the uh, ramifications of saying things that were incorrect or maybe doing things that you didn't think was the best that you could have done. And when you look back, like, what happened? Like, how bad was that? It it probably didn't create any huge issues, and so you kind of learn to accept that you're not perfect um, and that you're going to make mistakes. And and, uh, as long as you learn from those mistakes and you don't keep repeating them, life goes on, and you continue to get to do great things. Yeah. Well, it's really interesting that you say that because as CEO, you would imagine that when you're doing speaking in the public, if you say, for example, you know, happen to provide misinformation, that that's more important than, say, earlier in your career. Oh, yeah, for sure. And but I think the other thing you you learn is that if you do provide misinformation to not be afraid to then say, oh, you know what, actually, that's not what I meant to say, or I didn't really articulate that properly and admit that you said it wrong. Because the worst thing is if you put something out there that's wrong and then you stand behind it knowing that it's wrong. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to be a bit humble and be able to say, you know what, I'm sorry, I messed up on that one. Yeah. Well, and people mess up all the time. Sometimes your your brain works faster than the words that are coming out of your mouth, right? Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to this episode's question, at what point should you consider yourself good enough? So is there some sort of sign or feeling that you get that makes you realize, okay, I've done the best that I can? What makes you realize that this is as far as I should take this? Oh, that's a good question. Um, You know, I think it is really just being able to be self-aware enough to look at yourself and say, did I do the best that I could have done? Um, And if you did, that was good enough. If you left something on the table, if you should have done better, then that's the point where you're like, okay, how next time can I do that better? Because I haven't reached that good enough yet. Mm -hmm. And what advice would you have for someone who's looking for their own dividing line between perfection and I've done my best? Yeah, in that one, I would say there's probably a little bit of a difference between perfection and done my best. (laughs) So I think there's times where perfection is necessary, where you need to have things right. Um, But those are actually probably more few and far between than doing something good enough. The amount of effort to achieve that extra 5% towards perfection, you have to really look at and say, is that necessary in this case? I would think a profession like doctors probably do have to think that, yes, they need to be uh, perfect, not good enough. Yeah. But lots of times in our decision-making that we're, we're making as um, CPAs and as leaders, you're looking at the information that you have at a time and making a decision, and it's never perfect, mm-hmm. and there's no right answer. There's no right or wrong answer. So you need to go in a direction, go with your gut, and um, see where it takes you. And sometimes you will be wrong, and you need to be able to be able to come back and turn around, change paths, and get back on the right path. And unlike a profession where you know lives are in balance, we have an opportunity to do that. So I think being 
good enough and being perfect, I, I think, are two different things. To know that you're good enough is, again, y- you look back and you say, could I have done better? Could I have done things differently? Did I learn anything from this? Um, and if you're at that point where you have done what you need to do and you think that's the best you could have done with the information that you had, that is good enough. Yeah. But I think as you're starting your career, you just want to uh, show people what you can do. Yeah. You you want to impress. You want to you want to make sure that you're not letting anyone down. Um, and then as you move forward in your career, I think you get more confidence that people do respect you and that um, you have something to give and uh, that your opinions and your leadership is worth it. And so then good enough is okay. Yeah. So in terms of I've made the best decision I have with the information that I have, um, you know, and it's okay. I can course correct. I can stop this bus and change the directions. Is that something that you're comfortable with making that decision of, okay, this was the wrong track. I need to reassess this. I think it is something that I'm more comfortable than a lot of people okay. with. Um, I don't change tracks lightly. <laughs> you know, it, it you have to re- recognize that you made a decision and there's a lot of people on that bus. <laughs> so if you're going to uh, change the direction, you're not just changing the direction for yourself, you're changing the direction for all your passengers as well. True. And so I don't think it's something you want to take too lightly, but I am more comfortable than I would have been five, ten years ago saying, you know what? Now we've got this other information. I think we should go in this other direction. And here's how we should get it to make sure we mitigate our risks Mm -hmm. and um, not keep driving that bus to uh, a destination where I realize there's a storm and no one's going to have fun when they get off anyway. So um, sometimes people commit to a certain direction and they're afraid to turn it around or to choose a different direction because you have to admit that you maybe might have made a decision that wasn't the right decision. And sometimes it was a wrong decision, but most of the times it wasn't. It was that you got more information as you went along that made another decision look better. Mm-hmm. So I think it is takes experience to be able to say, okay, yeah, know what? This isn't the right direction. Um, it takes experience to know what the uh, ramifications of that is on the passengers you have on your bus. Yeah. Um, and then to say, okay, yep, it's this is the right decision to make. We need to turn this bus around and apologize for it and and then move into the new exciting direction. Okay. What if for anybody who is, you know, now that we're using this bus analogy, <laughs> who's driving a bus but doesn't necessarily have passengers, you know, aren't in, quite in that leadership position but are having trouble reassessing and, you know, what advice would you have for them to maybe pump the brakes a little bit and how, how do they go about doing that? Well, I think one of the things, uh, and I often say in my um, speeches that I give to new graduates is you always want to have a direction. You don't want to be wandering aimless. You don't want to be driving that bus down all these back roads with uh, with no direction at all. But you also have to be careful that you're not just headed in one direction and ignoring all the things around you. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that as you're on that path, that if a door opens, or if we're using the bus analogy, if a side road comes up with a little peach stand, you don't mind stopping and, and seeing if that would be interesting and and, and uh, supporting that little farmer's market that you see as you drive by. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a balance. You want to have a direction in your mind of where you want to go, but you want to be open enough that if other opportunities come up that are intriguing to you, that you take those opportunities. Um, I would say there was no point in my early career where I thought, I'm going to be the CEO of CPA Alberta. <laughs> so if I hadn't uh, kept those opportunities open and and kept looking for where I wanted to be next, um, I wouldn't have got to where I am today. Mm-hmm. But if I didn't head down a certain direction in the first place, I yeah. wouldn't have gotten where I am today. So I think it is just making sure that when you're starting your career that you give some good thought to your goals and um, how you're going to achieve them, but you also reassess 
on a regular basis to see if things have changed that make you want to make different goals or to see if there's a different direction that you want to try out. And it's scary to do something different. Yeah, I know when I went from practice review where I was responsible for ensuring that uh, firms were meeting standards. I love standards. I know standards. I'm comfortable with standards. Mm-hmm. And I love the role I was in. So when the opportunity came up to move into a different leadership role, it was a little scary because yeah. I was like, I don't know. I like what I'm doing. I'm really good at it. What if I'm not good at this new role? You know, it takes a lot of soul searching and a lot of uh, uh, talking to those people that you know, mentor you to say, okay, yeah, I'm going to take this risk and I'm going to go in this direction. Um, And I'm glad I did. Yeah. It was quite good. (laughs) (laughs) So you mentioned, obviously, your end goal wasn't to become CEO of CP Alberta, but did you you have your sights set on like a C-suite position? Well, I would say yes, in a sense, in that I would have thought early in my career that it would have been more partner of a firm. Okay. So I think that's very similar to a CC position. You're in a a leadership role. Um, I mean, if I go back way back before I even decided I was going to be an accountant, I was looking more that I would be more entrepreneurial, more on my own. Mm -hmm. And then as I kind of tried new things, I I found that actually I quite enjoyed working with boards and and, um, with other people. So that's what sort of led me in in that direction. Great. Um, So going back to this concept of good enough, the original question is, you know, you obviously, you're your mother, your wife, you're a dedicated volunteer, you chair committees. So you, you're a person who is very busy and yeah. wears many hats. <laughs> so this concept of good enough, is that line where you decide if you're good enough the same regardless of which hat you wear? You know, is it easier to say, I'm good enough as a mother? Is that the same point as I'm good enough as a CEO, as a professional, as a volunteer, whatever hat that you're wearing? Well, that's a tough question. And actually, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, you know, as you become a mother, you learn that you can't be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you were a perfectionist before then, yeah. <laughs> that quickly disappears. Because balancing all of those things, I think, again, going back to what I said earlier, there are times where where you want to be more than good enough, where yeah. you want to get things right. Um, and there's times where good enough is okay. And um, I think it's a constant challenge to figure out where those areas of your life are. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when you're raising kids, you want to do the best you can to give them the opportunities that they need to to grow and develop and be uh, contributors to society. So probably work a little bit more at uh, being more than good enough there. Yeah. <laughs> but you also have to learn to rely on other people too. So yeah. I'm fortunate. I mean, just celebrated my 25th wedding anniversary oh. actually on the weekend. Congratulations. Um, so I've had a partner through all uh, my career actually. Yeah starting in uh, university and, and who actually encouraged me to get into the, the CPA profession. Um, and so uh, between the two of us, I think we end up being pretty good. Mm-hmm. Individually, we're probably just good enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. Um, you know, when you read articles are about women who are in high-ranking positions, they talk a lot about how they're under pressure to not just do it all, but do it well. And, um, you know, in terms of balance, competing priorities, raise families, volunteer, have active social lives, be great leaders. Is that something that you ever experienced? Yeah, I think it is natural as um, as women are becoming more into the work world and more dominant leaders. And and um, I think it's something we actually put on ourselves that we think that we we need to show that we are better and that we can be there and that we're, we're good enough yeah. <laughs> uh, for it. But, you know, for me, I think um, early on in, in my career, I realized, you know, you can't 
be everything to everybody. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know, I was fortunate to have, you know, whether it was the way I was raised, my family support or, or whatnot, that um, I felt okay with doing the best that I could do. And that had to be good enough. <laughs> so I felt that uh, in the beginning, you felt that you had to be better than the man beside you. Yeah. But as you realize and get more confident in your own skills, you realize, you know what, you're skilled. And people should appreciate you for that. And if they don't, do you really want to be in those environments anyway? Mm -hmm. And so as you get more confident in what you can do, I think that ends up speaking for itself. Okay. What advice would you have for a young female professional who is still working on building that confidence and still feels that pressure to, to prove themselves? You know, finding a good mentor, finding someone who's been there before you, um, we're very fortunate. We aren't the uh, first women leaders in the profession. Um, we've had women leaders come through before us. And so um, if that's something that uh, you're struggling with, find someone who's been there and who's been through that before and, and see what they did to be able to develop that confidence. And I would recommend to anyone, you know, women and men who are coming through and trying to find where they are going to contribute and, and and getting that confidence is stay true to yourself. Just be who you are. Mm -hmm. I think uh, my daughter has a saying now, which is probably not a cool saying anymore, but was at one point in time. But she always says, uh, you know, you be you. <laughs> I'm just being my best self. Yeah. And I'm like, if everyone could channel that and actually just be their best selves, um, then you'll find where you're supposed to be. Like, yeah. You'll figure it out. But that's a, that's a bit of a new philosophy in leadership, isn't it? This concept of being yourself and 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 being humble in a lot of ways, because it w wasn't it a bit of a, an older leadership philosophy? Is they use the phrase "fake it till you make it," right? That you have to kind of be something else in order to to succeed. Yeah, and I think you know that might be a philosophy that some people still live by. Yeah. Um, it's definitely not not mine. Um, I've found uh, I've gained more success by just being true to myself, mm -hmm. just being myself. And, you know, I think that's a little bit goes back to how I was raised. And this quote that someone actually quoted me uh, <laughs> in a podcast earlier was from my father, who always said, you know, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. And you just have to live by your own values. And in the beginning, you do. You fake it and you try to be somebody that you're not. And very quickly, you realize that that's not the way that you're really truly going to succeed. Or if you do, you're not going to feel good about it. Yeah. So, you know, I do try hard to just be me and do the things that I feel um, align with my values and let me sleep at night. Yeah, fair enough. Currently, the profession is 45% women. Rachel, you got your designation in 1999. What was the profession like when you started your career? You know, it's funny because I, I think it's not that long ago. <laughs> but I guess since I celebrated my 25th anniversary, it's around that long ago that uh, I entered the profession. And it's surprising how different it is now than it was then. Yeah. When I started, I was one of the um, few females interviewing for the positions that I was interviewing for. I do remember actually interviewing for a couple places where I would said, like, I would never work here. There's no women. Like, it was oh. all men. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I do think that I came into the profession at that time where it was transitioning to having more women in uh, leadership roles within firms. Yeah. But before that, there wasn't. I remember in the firm I started in, um, they had just made their first woman partner. Okay. It kind of shocks me looking back now because that doesn't seem that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it still was a very, very, very male-dominant world. And I remember going to professional development courses and being one of the only women in the class. You know, I remember... Uh, 
And no disrespect to where I started, I think they were doing the best they could with uh, what they had at the time, but the uh, the uh, dress code for casual Fridays meant that uh, women could wear pants. Okay. <laughs> so uh, that was kind of interesting to think back on that and think, wow, that I can't believe that was only 20-some years odd years ago where, yeah. where that happened. But um, it, it's interesting now, uh, you say 45% female, and those female are very active in the profession. Mm-hmm. And when you go to professional development courses and, and when you look around, um, there are a lot more women yeah. at that level and, and participating in the profession. And, and you don't feel it so much within our profession. We're very lucky. Um, as a you know leader of the profession, I've had the opportunity to go to other events and represent the CPA profession in other ways. And it's actually shocking sometimes when I go into a room and I am still the only woman in yeah. the room. And there are other professions that are still, you know, very male-dominated and under industries that yeah. are very male-dominant. And it kind of takes you back because we're so lucky to work where we do. In in for me, in my roles, uh, you look at the leaders of the profession across the country, we're almost all women. Yeah. And you kind of forget that there's still those pockets where um, it does make a difference and you still need to approach things a little bit differently. So. Yeah. Well, I'm actually going to read a stat. So, Recent stats show that women hold less than 10% of C-suite positions at Canada's 100 biggest publicly traded companies. But you mentioned, obviously, in the Canadian accounting profession, of the 12 national, provincial, and regional accounting bodies that make up the accounting profession, 11 are led by female presidents and CEOs. So, and obviously, you just mentioned that there are other professions that are still, you know, trying to reach that gender balance. Why do you think the accounting profession bucks trends when it comes to women in the profession and women in leadership roles? Well, I think one of the things is that um, the profession just allows so many opportunities to do different things. Um, we talk a lot about in the profession itself how we're changing and we're developing, and and a CPA is um, you know very different than a typical accountant twenty five years ago. There, we work in such a broad spectrum, uh, and I think it allows us to balance our values and do things that are, are important to us. Um, it's interesting as the professions evolved when I. I first became uh, CEO of CPA Alberta, the stats weren't the way they are now. (laughs) So it just seems as as, um, the guard changes, Mm -hmm. there's just more women who are interested in in taking on those types of roles. And I think it helps that there's women there already. So it kind of gives that confidence um, for other women to to step up and and do it as well. Yeah. So you mentioned when, you know, earlier in your career that you would walk into a room and you'd look around and there wouldn't be a lot of women there. Is there a moment that sticks out in your mind where you you did look around and said, you know, I think that things are changing. The, the, The landscape in terms of gender balance is looking different than I remember. Yeah, I think you know when I when I look at when it really happened would have been at uh, well, not that long ago um, when uh, at the um, Council of Chief Executives level, which is the leaders of the profession, when I walked in the room and there was only uh, two males sitting there. Yeah. I was like, wow, when did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> so that would have been the most recent uh, recent time, but um, probably when I moved to Alberta, and I don't know if it was the timing because I did move from Northern Ontario. Um, to Alberta, so a more rural environment to um, Edmonton, so a more major center. And I took uh, a PD course in Edmonton, and there were more women. It wasn't equal. There was still less than than the males, but at the time there were more women. I thought, oh, this is different because the last time I had been in a major center would have been early, early in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, so the change from sort of that 
you know, 1994-ish time uh, line to about 2003, um, a significant change in, in that percentage as you walked into a room. Yeah. So 2019 is an exciting year because it actually marks the 70th anniversary of the first woman in Alberta who received her accounting designation. Um, her name is Dorothy Reed, and there's an article in the in CP Alberta's Capitalized Magazine. So if you're listening to this and you're interested in reading it, please check it out. Um, I mean, obviously, she blazed a previously uncharted path for women to follow. And you talked a lot about the importance of role modeling in terms of it's easier for people to rise to the ranks if they see that other women have done it and they support each other. I know I'm certain that there are women out there who look at you and think that is such a fantastic example. I want to follow that example. What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind for young female professionals? You know, I think it goes back to what we talked about earlier is I want, you know, the young female professionals to know that they can succeed being themselves. They don't have to be somebody else. They don't have to try to act in a different way. Mm -hmm. They need to understand how um, their counterparts, male and female, operate. And you need to adjust how you interact with them, but you shouldn't change yourself. Um, so it's sort of that balance between understanding that, you know, there will be times where you walk into a, a boardroom and your voice isn't heard. Yeah. But figure out how to get it heard and um, figure out a solution. And uh, a lots of times in that room, there'll be male counterparts who are more than happy to help you succeed. Um, I would say one of... Uh, my um, mentors, as I went through the the leadership of the profession and moved into the CEO role, um, was uh, Gary Hannaford from C uh, CPA Manitoba. Okay, and so he had been in the profession for for ages, and so um, him and I often had conversations about uh, how to make sure that uh, you know my voice was heard, and mm -hmm. uh, you just need to be true to yourself. And be confident in yourself and find people to talk to, um, to work through issues and concerns and, and pick those areas where you think you can make a difference and make changes. Mm -hmm. But also keep in mind that everyone's doing the best they can with what they have. Yeah. And so you might not agree. You might feel, you know, that uh, they should be doing it differently, but maybe they don't know a better way. Yeah. So um, you need to be a bit empathetic in that way as well. Okay. Obviously, as CEO, you know, you're, you're a leader. How did your CPA training prepare you to become a leader? Or were those leadership skills maybe there already and the CPA training brought it more out of you? Yeah, I think I've always sort of had some of those leadership traits. Um, I've always looked for positions where I could be in that leadership role as I um, came up through public school, into high school, into university. So I think I had some good base groundings on that yeah. and some good experience as I went. And I think kind of came a bit from my competitive nature. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to be improving and I always wanted to be doing better. And, yeah. and um, also from wanting other people to yeah. be better and, and uh, to continue to improve. I always found in, in anything I did, it's always good to have someone who's almost at the same level as you because yeah. you can compete against each other to get better. <laughs> uh, but I think um, as, as far as bringing those skills really into line, it was the CPA um, and the education that I had in becoming um, a CPA that really brought that out, those analytical skills, those um, case studies that helped you think through the, the businesses and, and how to succeed and giving you that good solid base so you know you know your stuff it's mm -hmm. just now learning how to apply it yeah. and uh, learning how to learn working with uh, leaders of the profession um, I think that's a great way to learn and develop and develop those leadership skills and be confident in them um, I still sometimes sit back and think wow someone lets me lead the profession <laughs> how did that happen <laughs> 
So even though I say you should be confident, it's not like I'm super confident in yeah. my skills. I once in a while need someone to say, yeah, you're doing a good job. <laughs> well, Rachel, you were doing a fantastic job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we talked about your leadership philosophy. In terms of your career to date, what is the most important lesson about leadership that you've learned so far? Wow, what's the most important lesson? You know, I think it is that your decisions have impacts on other people. Okay. So, um, and I won't get into sort of specifics of what that might be, but just recognizing that um, the decisions you make don't just affect you. Mm -hmm. They affect other people and they trickle down and... and um, I guess one of the things that sort of brought that forefront in my mind was a, a course we went to where uh, someone was talking about um, emailing. And when you email, and it was this ridiculous example. So they were saying, well, someone leaves work, they get home, they're settled in for the evening, um, they uh, make a plan with their wife for the morning to drop the kid off at school, grab a coffee, and get to their meeting on time. And then their boss sends them an email late at night they wake up at 6 a.m., read this email that they mm -hmm. need to be in the office by 7 o'clock. And uh, it totally throws their whole morning out. And mm -hmm. they don't get to drop the kid off at school, so the wife has to. So the wife is mad. They don't get their coffee in the morning, <laughs> so they're cranky when they get to work. And then, I mean, it, it's totally extreme. It ends yeah. up with, a, go home, they get divorced, the kid's now like, <laughs> um, from a broken home. But, yeah. you know, the moral of the story yeah. is that simple email that you sent as a leader, yeah. which actually might not have been that important, does have ramifications for other people. So even though it's a ridiculous story yeah. and kind of like an extreme example, it, it kind of hit me. And I remember it often to think, you know what, is what I have to say important enough to have to be said right now? Or do I need to wait to a better time? And, and what I'm asking an employee to do, I might not think is that big of a deal, yeah. but it might actually affect what their plans were in their lives. So you have to kind of think it through. Yeah. I feel like that example and kind of the domino effect is the textbook example of, you know, that escalated quickly. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so you talked about, obviously, the importance of being confident and how sometimes you maybe struggle a little bit with that confidence. Is being a leader all the time a role that you're entirely comfortable with? You know, you talked about the importance of how people rely on you and, and being the person who's responsible for driving that bus and making sure that you're leading people. But that must be a lot of pressure. Yeah, I think it is. And, and um, you know, there's often times where I'm like, you know, maybe I'm not the best person to be leading this particular thing mm -hmm. or this particular issue. And I do, like, I'm confident, but I, I do always think, like, you know, am I the right person for this job? Can mm -hmm. I actually do this? So I think that's where it's important to have those goals and those objectives and those mentors and those people who you can talk to yeah. to make sure that you are on the right path and you are doing uh, the right thing. And, you know, in all areas of my life, I'm not the leader. Like I do a lot of uh, volunteer work where I'll step back and let someone else take it because it's their area of expertise. Yeah. And even, you know, leading CPA Alberta, there's projects and whatnot that is better led by somebody else. And um, I'm happy to pass that on and, and let someone else do that. Mm -hmm. You know, recognizing when you should be leading and when you should be following. And, you know, I'm very fortunate at CPA Alberta. We have an amazing team. We have a, a great senior executive team too. And so I, I kind of look at us as more of a team. Like we work together to achieve results. And and sometimes I do have to step up into that um, leadership role. But more often we work things through together collaboratively. And, and it isn't that often where I'm the one who has to make the call. Lots of times we come up to the solutions together. So, yeah. Well, even just the fact that you say 
that you can admit, yeah, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm not the right person for the role. It ties back into what you said earlier about how important it is to have self-awareness and kind of reassess and check yourself. Because if you're so confident that you are doing the right thing without evaluating whether you are, then you there's a potential for disaster there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, sometimes you don't want to hear the feedback either. <laughs> but y- you have to listen and you have to be like, okay, that was fair. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, since you brought up the, the concept of feedback, how does someone hear feedback that they, maybe it's hard for them to hear? Yeah, I might not be the best person for this question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I think actually I probably have the flip side. I have more trouble getting feedback that I, I'm actually like doing a good job and getting the positive feedback because I always think, oh, I could have done better. But, yeah. um, uh, you know, I think it, it takes time and and uh, you have to really be open to wanting to grow and develop. And it's difficult to take the feedback and not take it too personally. Um, for me, sometimes I have to remember, well, they only saw me in that one particular instance. And, okay, maybe that comment was fair, but that's not how I am all the time. Mm-hmm. But then other times it's like, oh, yeah, actually, I need to work on that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I don't think it's easy. I, I don't know if I have any advice on how to do it. I just think you need to make sure you do and don't ignore it. Yeah. So when it comes to developing as a leader, is there such a thing as an endpoint where you cross that line and say, yeah, I am the best leader, period? Oh, I don't know if there is. I haven't got there yet. Okay. <laughs> I, I think there's there's always ways to, to grow and develop. And um, I think, too, as far as a leader goes, um, you know, I have a certain style. Um, I have a certain way I like to work and mm-hmm. like to operate. And so, you know, some people who work with me may think, yeah, she's doing a great job and, I, and, and is a great leader. But other people, they might like a different leader. Yeah. So I think the other thing about being a leader is recognizing that, you know, you're not going to be everything to everybody. Yeah. And I think you have to find the type of leader to work with who suits your skills and the way you like to work as well. So Yeah. So you would mentioned earlier that in certain projects that there are people who you acknowledge are better to kind of lead that and so you let them do it how do you think you empower the people you work with and the, who work for you oh and i should ask you that question <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me that question <laughs> oh i don't i hope that um you know i recognize the skills that other people have to yeah. bring to the table and then i let them shine and and um use those skills and play to people's strengths uh I'm a huge proponent of of playing to your strengths and recognizing that everyone has strengths and everyone has weaknesses. And um, you can work as hard as you want on those weaknesses or you might develop them a little bit or you put that energy into your strengths and you find people who um, is strength is your weakness and Mm -hmm. leverage off of them. So I, I hope that from our team, what they see is that I really do try to let people develop in the areas where they're skilled yeah. and, and to take on things where it's their areas of expertise. Um, and um, I'll take things that are my area of expertise. Yeah. So. Well, I would say that you are excellent at determining what people's skills are and their strengths and allowing them to run in the areas that they are strong in. Yeah, good. Thank you. I try. Yeah. I do try that. <laughs> well, since we're talking about strengths and weaknesses, I'm going to put you in the hot, the hot seat right now. Oh. What would you say your strengths are and what would you say your weaknesses are? Oh, is this like the interview question where you're supposed to actually say your weakness is something that's really a strength? <laughs> yeah. You say your need for perfection. Yeah, that's, exactly, that's a common one. Exactly. Yeah. I work too hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. You do work too hard. <laughs> uh, um, you know, I think, um, you know, my strengths, I would say, is seeing more longer term, um, seeing more into the future and how the decisions being made today will affect 10 years from now. 
I think that I have a, a really good memory. <laughs> so um, I can actually like bring back things that have happened in the past in a lot of detail, mm -hmm. which helps me to, I think, formulate what that's going to affect in the future. Um, so sort of that strategy end. I think one of the weaknesses is, you know, I, I don't like routine. And I can get bored with the details. So sometimes I'm like, okay, I understand what that means, so move on. Mm -hmm. Whereas other people need more details and more precise wordings to, to get the concept. Yeah. So sometimes I think I operate too quickly. Okay. <laughs> and I know what I'm thinking, but I don't take the time to kind of make sure everybody else understands what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you have for someone who is starting out and is still trying to assess what their own strengths and weaknesses are? I would say be very conscious about it. Okay. Like, think about it. Think about the things that you like to do and the things that you don't like to do. Um, I once watched a, you know, a, a video, and I can't remember the speaker's name um, off the top of my head, but he said, you know, everybody has to do things in their job they don't like. Yeah. But once those things are more than 20% of your job, you need to reassess. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I saw that very early in my career, and it actually I started recording the things that I really enjoyed doing and the things I really didn't enjoy doing. That helped me figure out where my strengths were, where my weaknesses were. And um, as I grew into the leadership positions, it allowed me to hire people to do those things I didn't like to do. And at first I kind of felt like, okay, that's not very nice to hire yeah. someone to do something I don't like. But then I realized that the things I didn't like, other people loved. Yeah. <laughs> so you just have to find that right person who likes those things that you don't like and and um, so that you can focus on the things you do like. And if you like it, it's probably an area of strength. If you didn't like it, you'd probably be struggling. It's probably one of your weaknesses then, right? Okay, that's great advice. So what advice would you have for students and other professionals wanting to develop their leadership skills? I would say volunteer. Okay. Get involved because that's the easiest place at a very low risk to try out some of those skills. Mm -hmm. um, uh, getting involved in not-for-profits with boards, either on a presenting to a board perspective or from a board member perspective, uh, it allows you to um, learn from other people who are more experienced, mm -hmm. who might have been on those boards for a while, but also lets you try out new things in a very safe environment yeah. uh, and see how they work and, and how you can grow from them. Um, and, you know, don't be afraid to try new things. And if you're in a role where a project comes up that you can lead, take a step up and lead or co-lead and watch what other people are doing. Learn from other people. Um, I always found, like, I won't say there were no boring meetings, but <laughs> I very rarely am in a boring meeting because yeah. if I'm not interested in the actual meeting material, I'm interested in the way people are presenting material or responding oh. to material or interacting with each other. Yeah. Um, and uh, so you can learn a lot from just being with people who are good at certain things. Yeah. And you can learn a lot by seeing people who aren't good at certain things. So uh, when you're in a meeting and you see something and it goes wrong, you're like, why did that go wrong? Oh, okay, maybe I shouldn't have, shouldn't do that yeah. in the future. Or someone who drives you nuts doing a certain thing, you're like, okay, just make sure you don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Okay. So that is fantastic advice. And it seems like a good place to wrap up today's episode. Straight from the CPA's mouth features Alberta CPAs talking about everything and anything. Rachel, is there a question you'd like to leave our next guests with to answer in the next episode? Oh, yeah. Excellent. And thank you uh, to everyone who listened to this episode. Mm -hmm. And thanks uh, uh, for asking me to be on it. Uh, my question uh, for the next person would be, what is your approach to resolving conflict? Oh, that is a very good question because conflict is inherent and inevitable when, if, when you're working with other people. Yes, and I'll be... Uh, listening intently to the answer. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, so Rachel, do you have any last thoughts that you'd like to add? Um, 
No, I think just uh, I would encourage everyone some of the conversations that we had today around um, keeping your options open, no matter where you are in your career path, uh, whether you're starting your career or you're further into your career. Make sure you don't miss any of those doors. Don't let those doors close behind you. Make sure you explore those new opportunities. And um, I think a couple of the other podcasts talked about mentoring. And don't be afraid to ask for advice and and to ask someone to mentor you and to mentor other people. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think I would leave you with that. And you are good enough. Mm -hmm. There you have it, listeners. Straight from the CBA's mouth. So thank you, Rachel, so much for joining me on the podcast and for the wonderful conversation. Thank you to all of you for listening. Be sure to check out our next episode featuring CPAs exploring conflict and how to resolve it. If you like what you've been hearing on Straight from the CPA's Mouth, let us know. Email knowledgecenter at cpaalberta.ca with your feedback and suggested topics and questions for future episodes. Straight from the CPA's Mouth is brought to you by the CPA Education Foundation. The CPA Education Foundation is the charitable arm of the Alberta CPA profession, providing up to $1.2 million each year in support of business and accounting education in the province. This podcast is just one of many resource materials available through the Heshi CPA Knowledge Centre. This virtual hub features Alberta CPAs sharing their unique perspective and vast expertise on topics and issues such as leadership, finance, entrepreneurship, and more. Visit cpaalberta.ca slash foundation for more information on the Heshi CPA Knowledge Centre and to learn how Alberta CPAs inspire success.